powered by Transistor FM. Welcome to friends, foes, and neither. Do not adjust your podcatcher settings because what you're about to hear is real. It's the Derek Duvall Show. Prepare yourself for pop culture, commentary, and interviews featuring no drama and no controversy guaranteed. And now, coming to you live to tape from the Derek Duvall Productions Bunker, it's Derek Duvall! Hello, everyone. Hey, hi there, everybody. Hey, thank you. Please sit. Thank you. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Derek Duvall Show. What a show we have in store for you today as well, folks. With over 800,000 podcasts, it brings me much joy that you have chosen to stop by my corner of the web. Thank you. I want to give a huge shout out to my last guests, Jaron and Maggie. Their episode is continuing at this moment to do inc- absolutely incredible numbers. And I am glad I've gained some great friends over that experience. So welcome to episode 73. We have on the show a very special guest in the form of educator and creator of the education theme program, Relate Then Educate. Mr. Rick Holmes is here with us. He is a wealth of knowledge, and he uses his experience as an educator to amplify the voices of other teachers and provide instruction, guidance, and encouragement. Let's get him on out here. Please welcome to the show all the way from the Sooner State, the creator of Relate Then Educate, Mr. Rick Holmes. Good evening. Welcome to the Derek Duvall Show. How has the weather been out by you? Oh, man, the weather's been great. The sun's out. You know, it's it's just crisp enough to be to feel like, you know, feel like winter, but the sun's warm. Man, I, I love days like today. I start this interview the same as I start all of my shows. How has it been for you to navigate the COVID-19 world? Oh, my gosh. Wow. I've had a lot of conversations with some buddies of mine that, you know, we, we kind of walk through life together and we... We share what's going on in our life and stuff, and we have visited and revisited the topic of COVID and just what it does to you as a person, what it does to you as a family, you know, culture, all of that. But I got to tell you, the one thing that I pulled out of COVID was we called them COVID blessings and, you know, with, with how nuts it was uh, and still is in some ways, we we found, you know, the opportunity when we went on quarantine, we, you know, obviously my wife, my, my daughter and my son, you know, we're all in the house together. So we took nightly walks. We were able to spend time together and talk together, you know, with youth sports and, and high school and stuff like that. We just hadn't been able to kind of just live together, you know, like chill together. And we are able to do that. So, you know, there's a lot to lots to complain about with COVID. But we're intent on finding the positives, you know, and honestly speaking, in the last, say, six to 12 months uh, in Oklahoma, it's it's almost back to normal. People aren't wearing masks uh, as much anymore. But my my daughter goes to school uh, at college in Chicago. And when you start driving north, you see more and more and more masks. So I think. Depending on where you're at, I think your experience of COVID could be vastly different. But, um, you know, it's, it's a shared experience for all of us, I guess. <laughs> well, there's no getting away from it, that's for sure. Okay, so every journey has a beginning. Where were you born? What was it like for you to grow up there? Oh, yeah. I was I was born at, at um, 
St. Francis Hospital in Tulsa, Oklahoma. It, it's pink. It, it was pink then. It still is pink. And that was my claim to fame. Uh, we, my, my parents were both teachers. And so we moved around a bit, uh, landed in a very small town called Nowata, Oklahoma, just north of Tulsa, about an hour. And so it, what's funny is that I, I spent my first seven years really in this, you know, private school um, situation. You know, we, we went to school the same place that uh, we went to church. And then all of a sudden we moved to this rural town, vastly different. And it was just, it's funny to think of now, but I, my whole perception of the world was just, uh, my, you know, the foundations of the earth shifted under my feet at seven years old. But I grew up in, in Nowata, you know, a small town, did all the things you might think that a kid in the 80s and 90s would do. And, you know, ended up moving to uh, Oklahoma State when I graduated from high school uh, because that's what everybody in my family did. Like, that was mm -hmm. the thing. So, so yeah, that was me, country kid, you know, growing up on, on the country roads of Nowata, Oklahoma. So you did go to Oklahoma State University. Yeah, went to Oklahoma State. Went to, I initially went to be an architect. They mm -hmm. have a, a really good architecture school. And, you know, they did back then. I don't know how it is today, but my, my world was very small at that time. And so I lasted a year in architecture school, but I had never seen an architect. I'd never talked to an architect before. <laughs> I didn't know what they did, honestly. You know, what, what kind of clothes they wear? How do they talk and that kind of stuff? And it sounds absurd now, but I, I, I just didn't have a vision for doing that. And so I shifted and I went into education because I knew that real well. So, you know, my, my mom and dad were teachers. My, uh, my aunt was uh, a uh, school nurse. My uncle was a professor at Oklahoma State. So that was kind of the family business. And so that's where I ended up. That's where I gravitated to. Uh, and that felt like home. You know, it's crazy that here in Oklahoma, a good majority of people flock to the, you know, bright and shiny Oklahoma University. But what the nation's population is starting to understand is that Oklahoma State University has become a very prestigious school with some incredibly sought off programs, you know, including their veterinary program. And you just mentioned your architecture. I, I'm really happy that, you know, Boone Pickens stepped in and, and did what he did. Uh, some some people may have differing opinions on you know the influx of money and and all that comes with it, but what it was able to do is kind of elevate the university because it had always gotten by on you know being it, it, at the time it was like a top five architecture school and then engineering and then veterinary school and it just it was so good the education there was so quality but all the flash was in Norman with Oklahoma University. And I, I got to tell you, growing up in a small town, being a, you know, a Oklahoma State fan, you know, for, from the time I was born, that was all I knew. I, I took crap every day, every day for being a, a Cowboys fan. So even to this day, I mean, I, I don't have a whole lot invested either way in, in those rivalry games and stuff. <laughs> but I'm telling you, I cannot, I cannot root for Oklahoma University. I just, I can't do it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm too callous. My my heart is too cold. That's okay. I, I make up for it in other ways. So let's talk about Relate Then Educate, because it's a fascinating program. What is the genesis? Like, uh, what was behind the creation of the program? Mm. I, I, I'm i going to go back to 
my experience as a first year teacher, and then then I'll kind of jump ahead and tell you kind of where the the actual genesis of the idea came from. But I, I've got to give you some backstory. So I'm 22. I, I thought I knew what education was all about. I mean, I grew up literally grew up in school. Summer times, Saturdays, Sundays. I mean, I was there all the time because my parents worked all the time. And I heard them talk about school. I heard them talk about you know students, parents, all of this stuff. And I I, <laughs> I was really confident that I was going to step in as a teacher and just crush it, and you know not have to struggle through the first few years of you know just getting my wings under me and stuff. But it, it was a wreck. I mean, there was too much to go into here. But I mean, there, there was just several things that just cut me down at the knees early on. And so I was I was frustrated and I was asking older teachers and especially coaches because I was coaching uh, girls basketball at the time. And I would ask these older coaches, these these veterans and I would say, is it like this everywhere? Because this is kind of nuts. And they're like, yeah, you know. I, I guess it's, yeah, that this is education. And I was, when I heard that, I was like, oh, dang it. Like, what have I, what have I done? This is awful. And, you know, that story, as I've talked to, you know, a lot of teachers who I interview teachers all the time, I hear that kind of thing over and over again. Like, I just wasn't ready. It was, it was hard. It was super hard. And I didn't feel like I had any real support. And so that frustration and that just, I guess that chip on my shoulder very early on, I carried that all the way through my career. And I, I taught for 20 years. Can I interrupt for a quick second? Absolutely. Quick question. Do you remember the very first class and the very first day that you taught? Oh, Derek. Absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. So I, I dressed up. So I was I was ready to go, man. I, I was I was wanting to be a an awesome teacher, right? So I I dressed in, you know, a shirt and tie. I didn't have a jacket, so I didn't go full full, you know, business attire, but I, I put on a tie and it was my first hour and it was sixth grade civics. It was on the third floor of the now uh, demolished uh, Nowata Middle School. And I mean, it, it, yeah, a little bit of backstory. Okay. So I wanted to be a history, uh, social studies teacher. And so that's what I was hired to do. But very quickly they, they switched it on me, right. Which happens in education all the time. So they said, Hey, listen, you know, we, we know you want to teach social studies, but you're going to teach this one sixth grade civics class. And then you're going to teach PE the rest of the day. And then you're going to coach. Um, so I really wanted to do well in the classroom, that one class that I had. So yeah, man, I remember, I remember, it's funny that you asked that. I mean, I can tell you what the weather was like. I can tell you so many <laughs> things about that particular day, but it's, it's a pretty freaking scary moment when you're handed the keys and it's just implied that you know what you're doing and you walk into that classroom, the door shuts behind you and you got 30 sets of eyeballs on you and they're just wanting to know what, what's going on. And you, you kind of know what's supposed to happen, but um, yeah, it's intense. It's intense. Hmm. So then with your years in trenches, is that where Relate Then Educate came from? Yeah. So fast forward, I'm, I'm going to say about 11 or 12 years, I, I was given a book and it was a book of letters that Vietnam veterans had written in the field and then sent home. So sometimes those who wrote those letters made it home. Sometimes they didn't. And it was just simply their letters chronicled in this book. And so you can imagine just 
the, the kind of brutal stuff that they would write, you know, whether it be hopeful or whether it's just talking about their day and how awful, you know, the weather is and stuff like that. It was just really heavy. That, that book was really heavy. But I thought about, you know, teachers are, they, when people try to tell the story of a teacher, you know, especially in movies, um, it's funny because a lot of the, the movies that people think about, about teaching are, are all, all men. And the, the, you know, the educational field is vastly, I mean, it's dominated by women. So that they're not represented there. Um, but they, they just, I think that they get education, just they get it wrong because they think they need to hype it up. Um, and I knew that. And I, I thought, what if we just were able to tell the story of just teachers, like everyday teachers, and just allow them the space to tell their story and, you know, just delve into that and, and explore that. And so that's what I did. I started writing a book and interviewing teachers from across the country. And I got a partner to do that. Uh, she is uh, Andrea Avey. She's a former English teacher. The stories that have come out of our interviews are extraordinary. So is it like a giant venting session or is it inspirational stories? No, it's... So here's kind of how it evolved and, and, and what it, it really, it kind of, it kind of called out to us, like, this is what I want to be. And then it, it just kind of started to happen. Every interview kind of the, the same echo uh, came through. And what, it, what we, we have done is we just asked four simple questions to these teachers. And what we get is, you know, the origin story. Why are you a teacher? Why did you choose education? I mean, you could do anything. Why did, why was this the thing, Right. And then we also asked them about their career, like notable moments in their career, significant moments in their career. So what you can see when you put those two kind of stories together and you allow the teacher to kind of talk through both of those things, those thoughts, you can see the origin of their heart for kids. And then that informs how they conduct themselves as a teacher. So if they, they're faced with some sort of extraordinary moment, you can see their their heart uh, and you can see kind of where that came from. Man, there's a lot of beauty in it. And that's what we wanted to pull out and really just allow the teachers to express that. Because if you give them a chance, they, they'll, they'll split your hair, man. Like they've <laughs> got some extraordinary wisdom just in their pocket, ready to go. You just have to give them a chance to, to talk about it. So COVID exasperated fatigue in the classroom, no question about that. But before the pandemic, what do you feel was the leading cause that led to teacher burnout? Mm, that's a tremendous question because, you know, people think that that COVID caused it or maybe, maybe exasperated, I, you know, that semantics, but it, that underlying mental issue the the fatigue the uh you know the doubt in their heart and and just the, the there's some really um there's some serious mental issues in the educational field that already existed but what covid did was it pushed it to the limit and these teachers had to be like i can't do what i did last year because i'll burn out i i won't even make it through the year and that's becoming more common like for 20 years i taught and I'd never heard of a teacher just leaving the classroom mid-year unless it was, you know, some sort of crazy thing, you know, whether it be pregnancy or death in the family or moving to another town, whatever. But 
it's happening everywhere. Like teachers are just leaving the classroom um, midweek, mid semester, and it's unheard of. But it, I think it's because the our starting point for educators was crisis. And then we added the pandemic on top of that, and then it's just not sustainable. So what is the leading cause of it? I think you have a teacher who is has has power. They they you know they run their classroom, and I think that it's a great responsibility. But they they can tend to get siloed off. So they look at the teacher across the hall, and they're looking at what they do, and and they're like, well, you know, they they do this extraordinary thing, and I don't do that. Uh, I just can't do that. My plate's too full. And then they look down the hall at the other teacher, and they're like, well, she's so dynamic and she's so joyful and I, you know, I can't do that. So you, you start comparing yourself to literally everybody that you see and work with. And my advice is that if you're going to compare yourself to anybody, make it a singular comparison, mm. like one-to-one, -one, right? Uh, and then you can start to see, okay, you know, they're, they have this extraordinary personality and they're, they're super loud and big, but man, they're cranky in the mornings, you know, or, or, <laughs> You know, or they just don't talk to anybody in the weekends. But when you try to compare yourself with multiple people, you can't win. And that's what that's what happens. So you have that going on in, in the classroom. But then outside of the classroom, you have, say, politicians or maybe even administrators who are piling on to that and just implying or just straight out saying that teachers you know, need to shut up and do their job or, or they just they need to do more. Uh, that's always the thing. Like in you know, whether a preacher, I think I see preachers and teachers are in the same basket because you can't do enough. You know, if you ever say no, then you're just not good at what you do. And that's just not healthy. Yep. That makes sense. Uh, what do you remember from the 2018 teacher strike? You know, the, here's the thing. I, what I remember most was back in the 80s when House Bill 1017 went through. And that was more impactful to me than, than 2018 and what was going on really across the country. I interviewed um, a teacher from Los Angeles, and she was the literally the face of the 2019 walkout. Um, her picture was made into a poster. And, you know, I, I don't want to diminish any of that. But at that moment, I was uh, at, a, at a private school and it, I was really shielded from that. Now I was rooting them on. I was rooting the teachers on, uh, and I, you know, I'm all, all for it. But when I was a kid, it was impactful to me when, when teachers walked out, went to the Capitol and they were pushing for house bill 1017. And what I remember, and I was a kid, I mean, I was young, but I remember that so clearly because my teacher left and that struck me like, wow, you know, they, they weren't here. What are they doing? Well, they're at, at the Capitol trying to, you know, better their professional career and better their, their security and stuff like that. So, you know, I hate to not directly answer your question, but, you know, 2018, it was amazing. It, it was, I, I'm always in favor of teachers standing up for themselves and speaking their mind and speaking their voice. And that was what was happening. I wasn't on the front lines of that though. Okay, Duval Nation, we're going to go ahead and take a very quick break. This gives you a chance to refresh that drink, do some nice, big, deep stretches, and a few slow breaths, you know, Clouseau style. 
Pay attention to these brief messages, and we will be right back. Ooh, I've been dying to try this place. Oh my god, me too. I've heard such good things about it. Welcome to the Crime Diner. I'm Cindy. I'll be cooking for you this evening. Here are your menus. Ooh, what are you thinking about getting? I don't know, murder with a side of cannibalism? What about you? Ooh, that sounds good. I'm torn between historical mayhem and the social injustice, maybe? Oh. I just want to let you know that each episode comes with dinner, dessert, and a specialty drink chosen by yours truly. Wine Dine Storytime has had a makeover, and we invite you to slide into the booth with us at the Crime Diner, where each week we will discuss a crime over dinner, drinks, and dessert. See you there! In today's story, Elena tried taking a magic potion which she thought would help her. Well, she found out there aren't any magic potions. And you know what? There aren't any magic drugs either. Anytime you take one from anybody but your parents or your doctor, you're taking a very big chance. You're gambling with your health, maybe even your life. Drugs don't make your problems go away. They just create more. Hello there, Gigawater gang. I'm Kina, the host of the boozy and delightfully foul-mouthed comedy podcast, Historical AF. I'm a nerdy public historian that is joined by a special guest each week to deliver funny, weird, spooky, and morbid historical nuggets you never knew you needed in your ear holes. Past topics have included the magical manhood of Russia's mad monk Rasputin, my hot take that aliens did not build the pyramids, serial killers that both my parents happened to meet as children. Listen, I know what you're thinking, Kina, how do you even exist right now? Also, who was it? All right, I'll tell you. Spoiler alert, it was Sean Wayne Gacy and Mark Allen Smith. Anywho, we can't forget the spooky. I've covered topics ranging from the ghosts of Anne Boleyn to the night marchers in Hawaii. Don't look at them, guys. If you do, you have to strip naked and you have to lay on the dirt. Dim's the rules. You can listen and subscribe to Historical AF wherever you get your podcasts. You can also follow on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Historical AF Pod. And finally, you can check out the website for links to listen, sources, because citing is sexy, photos, and more at historicalafpodcast.com. Okay, bye! Teachers, do you ever have these feelings or have been told these things? Do you want Kleenex for your classroom? Maybe you should think about buying your own with your own money. You get the summer off, you can have a second job. Do you really need a pay raise? Oh, do you need to use the restroom? Maybe you can do that in the three minutes while students are changing classes. Boy, sure hope your room doesn't descend into Lord of the Flies in that time. Oh, things are going pretty good for one. Surprise! Budget cuts. Well, you're in luck because we've got a book just for you. Hi, everyone. It's Katie Kinder, educator, speaker, and author of Untold Teaching Truths. I invite you to purchase my book and join this journey as we talk about the wild world of public education. Part memoir, part strategy. It is available on BookBaby, Amazon, or wherever books are sold. Teach on, warriors. We've got this.
Welcome back to episode 73 of the Derek Duvall Show. Let's get right back into the show, Duvall Nation, with the conclusion of our interview with the creator of Relate Then Educate, Rick Holmes. So a frequent and amazing friend of the show, Miss Katie Kinder, I hear, has been instrumental in the success of your program. How did that partnership come about? We have a friend uh, at Relate Then Educate, and her name is Joe Lane, and she runs an organization here in Oklahoma, and she uh, really, her and her team, they go into schools and they work with first year teachers and maybe it's, you know, first and second year teachers, but they support those, you know, 22, 23 year olds who are fresh and need some help, need some just, you know, basic guidance. And Joe, I interviewed her this, this summer and we've, you know, we become friends and she's just helped us out so much and connecting us with people. But, um, yeah, I, I emailed Joe about something and she said, hey, listen, I, I just met Katie Kinder today. You need to meet her. And so I don't waste any time. I reached out and Katie and I uh, scheduled a meeting and uh, her and I and Aaron Patton, uh, we got together for drinks uh, on a Saturday evening. And it was it was just amazing. Katie's heart is so clear and so vivid. Uh, for both students and teachers. And her story was my story. And, um, you know, her and Aaron and I are heading in the same direction. And that's, you know, our our stable is is wide open to people, to teachers that want to help other teachers. And so we, we welcome Katie in with open arms. And she's been such a blessing to what we're doing. What kind of feedback has Relate Then Educate had so far? Oh, it's been, it's been cool. I, I, I got to tell you, you know, I, I've talked to teachers since I was young, you know, just having a conversation with a teacher is so natural for me. So doing that, being able to sit down and interview teachers, you know, a lot is, it just brings me so much joy. The feedback has been great because a lot of people that are talking to teachers, they're talking to teachers so that they can do more, uh, do different, do better, um, you know, teaching them strategies and things like that. And so to have an organization like ours that wants to come and we want to tell teachers, listen, right now, right now, you are enough and you're equipped, you're capable, um, you know, more, you know, the, the chances are you, your heart is full of love for your kids, and, and that is enough. Now, let's talk about how we can make your job more joyful, make your career longer. Um, and these are difficult things to talk about. The feedback from teachers especially is, oh, my gosh, thank you for talking about this because the struggle is real, and let's define the edges of it so that we can then look to how, how, how are we going to manage this better uh, and kind of stand on our own two feet um, and, and manage our careers and, and our profession. Because it's important. God, education <laughs> is so important. Talk about the genesis of the spa conferences. Katie mentioned that to me in conversation. Mm, she told you about the spa conference. She did. Yeah. We, you know, uh, Katie brought up the the idea of having a conference, and I had been thinking about that for a long time. But we want to do things different, and we want to hit the bullseye on what teachers need, right? So they do need 
you know, new ideas and thoughts and strategies and things like that. They, they do need that. I mean, that's why you go to a conference. You want to learn, you want to grow. Um, I mean, that's why you read books and uh, watch TED Talks and stuff like that. But teachers pour out of themselves so much that it's our intention to pour into them. We want to pour into their heart and their spirit um, and make their body strong uh, so that they have longevity and they have enjoyment in what they do. So the spa conference is what you think it might be. It's it's just a time for them. And we, we haven't defined like the specifics, but we do know it's going to happen. It's going to happen uh, more than likely. It's going to happen in the latter part of uh, 2023. Uh, and it's going to be an opportunity for teachers to come and get filled with, uh, hope, some joy. Um, you know, we're going to eat good food and, and we're going to enjoy each other, but we're not going to approach it from, Hey, you are not good enough right now and you need to be better. Uh, we're going to come come at it from the opposite way. You are enough. Um, but here is what I do in the classroom. Here is what they do in the classroom and let teachers talk to teachers. Uh, and that's, that's the intent. That's what we want to do. So that's what we're working towards now. I actually had a conversation with Aaron about that this morning. So besides the SPAR conference, what does the future hold for you and the program Relate and Educate? I hear rumors of a book. Yeah, the book is being written. You know, I'm always looking for the next teacher to interview and, um, it, that's just really exciting for me. But uh, Andrea and I are working on the book uh, and we're working towards getting that done. Uh, again, the latter parts of this year, uh, we've got a publisher and once we can get it done, we'll hand it off to them and we'll start navigating that process. But yeah, the, the book is going to be here soon. And you know what, what comes next after something like that? Well, I mean, we're going to, our heart is to, be 100% for teachers. And if that means writing another book, we're going to write another book. That means traveling across the country to talk to teachers and to to speak to their heart. We're going to do that. And we're very open to what opportunities are available to us and doors are opening. And we're just, uh, we're going to blow through them. Awesome. Yeah. As we bring this interview to a close, what is the best way for my fans and listeners to follow your adventures online? All right. So relatetheneducate.com and it's it's spelled out like you think it would be. It's it's nothing mm-hmm. fancy. It's relatetheneducate.com. You can find everything that we've got going on. Uh we're on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Uh we're we're on um YouTube as well. We got a lot of videos that we've done. Uh and if you want to hear teachers and what they're experiencing and what they're saying and and their opinions on things, you can, you can go find that there. We've also got a podcast, which is available as well on all the major uh, channels. Um, and so the hub, the, the, the place to go, the one-stop shop, it's relatetheneducate.com. I like to end my interviews with my favorite question. The question is, if the entire planet was listening to this broadcast, what would be the one thing you want to say to the people of Earth? People of Earth, you are enough. You are enough. You don't have to be anything other than what you are, but in that own personal relationship with yourself, see what you can become. So you're enough today. Let's see what tomorrow brings. That's what I'd say. Rick, thanks for taking the time to come on the show today. 
Absolutely. I, I'm glad uh, that I was able to, to, to come and talk to you. I do want to spend some time with, with you and talk about cooking steak because I, I know that you like to do that. Yeah. And I, I like to do that too. So we're going to have to swap some uh, recipes, some techniques. From one Mars Blackman fan to another, I found this to be immense fun. All right. I enjoyed it. And just like that, folks, we come to the end of episode 73. I want to thank Rick for taking the time to come on the show and share his views. At the end, uh, you had to see this, but he had an awesome Mars Blackman poster on his wall. Uh, if you don't know who Mars Blackman is, just go to YouTube at the end of this episode and search for Michael Jordan and Spike Lee. We are powering through the backlog of episodes, and I cannot wait to tell you about our interview releasing on Monday. And you won't know yet because you have to wait until Monday. Have you had a chance to leave a review on the platform you are listening to this on? Uh, we would greatly appreciate it. Give us, give us a rating. Give us a, uh, a review. And if you can, if it's, it gives you the opportunity to subscribe, subscribe too. Greatly appreciate it. And that being said, also, have you had a chance to check out our store on TeePublic? We have everything from magnets, stickers, and mugs. Be sure to go to our website, DerekDevallShow.com. Look on the banner on the left that says Merch. Click that, and then you'll be taken to our store on TeePublic. And we want to thank TeePublic for being such great partners. On behalf of everyone here at Duval HQ, I want to say to each and every one of you, be safe, be well, just get the vaccine. No star, God bless, and see you next time. Planet Earth. This has been a recording of the Derek Duval Show, and we thank you for listening. Please go to our website, DerekDuvalShow.com to explore past episodes and find links to purchase merchandise. Please subscribe to our social media channels on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Derek Duval Show.